You are listening to the After the Timeout podcast, hosted by Todd Zazadil and John Palicki, two high school head coaches looking to help others spread their passion for the game of basketball. Tune in for episodes about anything basketball related, on the court, off the court, and anything in between. We at the After the Timeout podcast would like to take a full timeout to talk about V-Reps basketball. Coaches, do you get frustrated by how some players just cannot seem to learn your offensive system? Are you spending countless hours teaching your offensive system to your team just for them to forget by the next practice? You should check out V-Reps. V-Reps was founded by basketball players and coaches to create tools that make learning plays easily a reality. V-Reps allows coaches to turn their 2D playbook into a 3D interactive video game that players can watch on any mobile device on their own time. Don't just have players watch film, have them live it and control the players so that they have a better, more efficient learning experience. It's free to try. Go to vreps.us to sign up today. All right, on today's episode, we are joined by Oliver Weisman, head women's basketball coach at Benedictine University. Coach, first of all, how you doing? Thanks for joining us. Oh, man, I'm good. Really appreciate it. I've uh, been looking forward to this for about a month now, ever since you reached out, so I'm pumped. All right, so we like to go with an opening tip question. Um, you're about to be a new head coach, all right? You know, when you're assistant coach, you kind of just wear what the head coach says, right? So now I want to I want you to take us through your sideline apparel. Are you, you going to be like a fancy suit and tie guy and dress shoes? Or are you going to go like, you know, the shoe game uh, and, and polo and pullovers and all that? What's your style? Yeah. So I actually, you're not the first person to ask me this question. Um, I, as an assistant, I pretty much, you know, like you said, you do what the head coach kind of wants. Uh, so I was almost always like suit and tie. Um, most head coaches I had didn't necessarily require the suit jacket, but you know, if you're going to wear the pants and the shoes, you might as well throw the jacket on too. So um, I think I, I know for sure that I'll, I'll have some of that in there, but I'm excited to be able to mix it up a little bit. Um, I've had, I've had like quite a few pair of Nikes and, and like Jordans that have been sitting in my closet for a few years uh, cause at Lindenwood, you know, we were under armor. So uh-huh. I'm kind of excited to be able to pull some of those out too. Uh, so I'll probably, I'll mix it up, have some of those days where you can just throw on some, you know, some J's, uh, maybe, you know, some, some zoom, something like that, but probably mix it up. I'll say 60% suit and tie and then 40%, you know, you, you gotta get a little swaggy. Well, it's hard to go back to after last year, right? When you were, everything was very casual. You were just shoes you can wear the wear the pullovers it's hard to go back to suit and tie you know you know I think a lot of coaches kind of got a taste of that and they're like this is the way to do it you know I want to get up and run on the sideline I can't do that when I'm when I'm hindered (laughs) with with dress pants so I think a lot of coaches kind of got a taste of that and they're going to want to stick with it 
All right, so then I got to follow up before we move on to our serious topics of the day or the more serious. Favorite pair of like, whether it's Jordans or favorite brand of just gym shoes or like a favorite pair. I'm a shoe guy. I know Todd Todd likes his shoes and his hats. So you got a favorite? Yeah, so my favorite pair of J's is a, it's a Jordan 14, so 14s. I, when I was in college, we had an open gym or a practice. I can't remember one day and uh, I, I left my shoes. The sho- I don't know why they weren't in the locker room to, to begin with, but I left my shoes in uh, my dorm and I was wearing a pair of 14s. And up until that point, like I always wore high top shoes and everything. And, but I was like, I got to practice in these today. Practicing them. It was the best, like the best feeling I've ever had in my life. That day forward, that was, I was like, that's my shoe right there. That's the one. Are those the, are those the ones that are like blue and white or red and white? Oh, they got every color now. Um, mine were mine were black and white. Okay. But yeah, I, I played in practicing them one time and I was like, I'm never going back. I feel like we're uh, we're, we're in an episode with Mike Neighbors. We, we could go off on shoes just for the next hour. So, but let's, let's get into some of the, the questions for you. So obviously you were an assistant uh, at a, the division two level for a long time. And I think so many times, you know, a lot of coaches will be like, okay, well, I know what D1 does. I know what D3 does. And then there's that D2 in the middle. So we kind of wanted to just hit on, you know, D2 with you for a little bit. So, you know, when you're recruiting for a D2 level school, you know, first of all, how do you kind of go about deciding on the athletes? Do you kind of aim for some of those D1 those D1 recruits that maybe don't get those D1 offers? Do you look for, you know, some kind of in between? Um, so kind of just take us through going about that D2 recruiting process. Yeah, well, I think uh, every, every D2 conference, especially D2, every coach in the conference probably, you know, they're going to say, hey, we feel like our conference is, you know, the best in the country or, or top two or three. Um, and so I, you know, I came from the GLVC and it's a pretty competitive conference. Um, so to be honest, we, for the most part, if you're going to be successful in that conference, you're going to be getting kids that are skilled enough or good enough to, you know, quote unquote, play at a, a higher level. Um, so those are, for the most part, those are the kids you're, you're trying to go after. Um, it's, I'd say a lot of times you you might want to take a kid who has a little bit more of the athleticism and might be lacking a little bit more with the skill. Um, and you're thinking that by the time you develop the skill, now they're a complete player and they may be one, two years into playing for you. And now they look like, man, how did they ever get that kid? It's, it's funny you say that uh, because when we had Ryan McCarthy on from Alaska Anchorage, he said something to us very similar about recruits. I'd rather have recruit the athlete and make them a basketball player than recruit the basketball player and make them an athlete. Yeah. There's, there's just those things that you can't teach, you know? Um, and so if, if you, if you feel like you're a pretty good developer as a coach, you'd, you'd rather take the one with the speed athleticism, that sort of thing that you can't necessarily bring out of them yourself as long as they have, you know, the basics or what you need from a basketball standpoint, you, you got to think that over time you can develop that, especially um, if you're willing to make sure, you know, they get the reps um, outside of the playing season and even inside the playing season. Uh, it, 
if you take a kid who's got a ton of skill, that's great. You can even improve their skill. But if they're slow, they're probably going to be slow when they graduate too. All right. So this is a multi, multi uh, question here. Uh, so you're, you're, you're came in new to the program. Uh, you know, you're, you're continuing to build on what they already done. Um, first and foremost, you know, you got to put your stamp on it a little bit and blend with what happened before. What are you, what are you doing first? What's the first things when you, when you got that job, you know, what are the first things you did to kind of uh, start building those relationships and, and, you know, building your program, how you want it? Yeah. Well, I started uh, mid July. So I started like right in the middle of recruiting, yep. <laughs> which was tougher. Uh, but I, I always kind of knew no matter what time or what time of year I started, the first thing I wanted to do was like talk to the players. Um, so we had our initial kind of team Zoom where everyone was on it. But then from that point on the next, you know, uh, 10 days or so, we had, we had 24 on the roster. So the next 10 days or so, all I did was FaceTime with individual players uh, to get to know them and kind of, get a feel for what their experience has been over the last few years, what they, you know, are expecting going forward and that sort of thing. But that, that was number one is talking to them um, to, to get their perspective, but also like you said, start to develop those relationships and, and get to know them as people and know kind of what things they like, dislike, how they like to be coached, all that sort of stuff. So that was, that was, like I said, the first week and a half or so, that's all I did really. All right, so then let's go into the next step. Your, what you have to do, you know, with administration, the AD and the presidents and all that. As far as, okay, this is kind of the things we want to do. This is how we're going to market ourselves. Um, so, what are some of those things that? Because I, you know, everybody thinks, oh yeah, I just go into coach, but then they realize when you're head coach, you got to, right? You got to take that step over, and those are a big factor. So, what are the, some of those things you had to, you know, kind of go through and. Uh, you know, that, that process as well. Yeah. Uh, well, my AD was really, really helpful. Uh, he, he allowed me to kind of take my time transitioning into the job because I had to relocate and all that stuff too. And we also have, at this point, she's uh, going on six month old. So at that time she was, you know, three, four yeah. months old. Uh, so we're, we're doing all that. And like, I'm not getting any sleep and we're also trying to sell a house and this and that. So he, he actually really let me ease into things. Uh, so I talked to him, you know, once or twice a week and he would just kind of give me little bits. Hey, make sure, you know, you start doing this, uh, make sure, you know, this is a, probably a time where you can start to look at the schedule and see what might, what might need to be filled. Um, so he, he was able to just kind of give me piece by piece, uh, little things to work on here and there, as opposed to, Hey, here's a laundry list of things you got to get done or get situated. Um, I actually have been really, really fortunate because there's an assistant uh, who was here from the previous staff and she's still still here now. She played here um, and she's so she's been around forever. Uh, and she she's just been really good because she knows how everything has worked in the past, what what previous coaches have done, what things uh, you know maybe didn't work. Um, and so she's been really, really helpful. Uh, to the, to the point where like when, when it was time for us to figure out our practice schedules and things like that, she had already gotten all the girls schedules and lined them up and was able to tell me, coach, we're going to 
these are the windows that it looks like we'll be able to practice. Uh, so honestly, I just have been fortunate enough that there were people, you know, already in place that were really helpful when it came to uh, all of the administrative things and setting things up uh, were to the point where I didn't have to worry probably as much about those types of things as a lot of coaches do, where I could spend, you know, a couple of days just thinking about basketball or uh, just thinking about the recruiting and stuff like that. All right. Well, so let's get into that next, next step then. Uh, I believe you just hired a new assistant, right? I think she was GA from Lindenwood, maybe uh, uh, if I she, saw right. She played at Lindenwood. Okay. She, was a GA, she, she was a GA at William Woods. Uh, okay. Yeah. NAIA school in Missouri. Okay, so I, I I apologize. I read that I read that wrong, but I saw I saw your you tweet out about it. But let's go in the recruiting aspect, right? Because you said you got hired in the middle of recruiting. So uh, going forward here and starting there, what are you doing to, to market your program? Uh, and, you know, recruiting, and then you know, kind of establish how Benedictine women's basketball is going to be. You know, under you. Yeah. All when it comes to kind of marketing us, I don't want to put forth anything that is a facade, so to speak. So I don't, I, I don't necessarily like to think of it as marketing because it almost comes across as like you're trying to sell something. It's like trying to sell a used car, you know, and you're making it seem like it's better than what it really is. Um, so from that standpoint, I really just want us to be as genuine as possible. So you know, whether it's like social media presence and stuff like that, like I, anything I tweet is that's probably the crazy thought that was actually in my head at the time. It's not, it's not something that, you know, we're putting out because we think it's going to look good um, or that sort of thing. So we, uh, we really want the program to be able to speak for itself. We think the school speaks for itself too. Um, so we, we, we want to give our current players a great experience. Uh, I think, especially in the basketball world, you know, people, everybody knows each other, people talk. So if you're doing a good job and you're going about things the right way, you know, in-house, your players are going to tell their AAU coaches about the experience that they're having. They're going to tell their high school coaches. They have other friends and they still be in high school and, you know, word will kind of get out that way. Um, and so, you know, our jobs really when it comes to marketing is to just be as genuine as we can be so that anybody that we are recruiting has the same experience talking to us in person that they have, you know, following us on social media. Uh, and that should be the same experience that our players are having with us every day in practices and, any other team, you know, functions and events. So before we go on, I, I just wanted to hit, you know, Todd and I have obviously both taken over high school programs. And, you know, when you take over as a head coach, there's always a few things you're like, wow, I never really thought a head coach would have to do X, Y, Z. Has there been anything so far that you've experienced that you're like, huh, I didn't know I would have to worry about that. Or I never thought about that. To be honest with you, that hasn't come up for me a ton, but I honestly think it's because I was fortunate enough to work for head coaches that gave me, you know, duties and responsibilities that maybe assistants wouldn't normally have. Um, so I got to do at, you know, a few places, I got to do a lot of things that some head coaches are probably handling and assistants never really touch until they become head coaches. Uh, one example would be like, you know, paying officials. Not many assistants probably do that, but I was fortunate enough to do that like last year at Lindenwood. So we got an email in the first couple of weeks that I had the job here and it was about the new structure or how they were going to do things when it came to paying officials. And I thought to myself, oh, well, I feel pretty good that, you know, I actually I just did that. So it doesn't seem like crazy to me. Um, 
But there have been a few things that I probably knew that head coaches had to do and just had forgotten. <laughs> and so, like I said, so it comes up and it's like, oh, yeah, I guess I am in charge of that now. Like, I can't just assume someone else has that. There, I'm sure there'll be something down the line where you're like, huh, never really thought about that. So, oh, yeah, I, I'm sure it'll come up. I, I, it's, it's not a deal where I'm like, oh, I know everything. I'm sure it's going to happen. It just, I've been lucky enough that it hadn't happened yet. <laughs> so, we want, we, Todd and I, we like to talk about other things, maybe not necessarily on the court things, just that coaches are involved with or, and, you know, we saw that you remember the diversity and inclusion committee for the GLVC and the athletic council for the inclusive uh, escalate es- easy for me to say excellence <laughs> task for our uh, force at Lindenwood. So kind of take us through, you know, what, what both of those things were kind of what the goals were your involvement and, and kind of what you guys were striving to do. Yeah. I, I think uh, the big thing was just kind of building on the momentum uh, that was taking place really around the country at the time when it came to, there being more recognition for some of the social and racial injustices that are, you know, present in our country. So it's just kind of wanting to build on that momentum and not, you know, not have your one, two tweets about how you support whatever cause and then nobody hear anything from you about it for the next two years. Uh, so both, I think both of those uh, committees and task forces, uh, they, that was the overall, the general purpose is to hey, let's take this and let's see if we can gain some momentum with this and and actually let it uh, spearhead some efforts that can last, you know, long past this wave. Um, So both of them actually were structured pretty similarly, similarly where uh, we kind of divided into subgroups within the committee. So, uh, you know, there might be a group of three to four that are a little more focused on uh, promotions and social media presence, whether it be like for the conference or for, uh, in Lindenwood's case, for you know our athletic department. Uh, then another couple are um, focused more on uh, trying to provide opportunities or or uh, ways for student athletes to be more involved in athletics after they graduate. If if especially those that may want to uh, pursue careers, you know, in athletics. Um, Other subgroups might be more concerned with hiring processes and evaluating current hiring processes and also coming up with recommendations for ways to improve it, ways to uh, increase the amount of diversity, you know, in athletics and in, you know, athletic staffs and, you know, within our conference uh, and inside our, uh, like, conference headquarters and those places, too. So let's let's go now. You're looking at your team. Um, they've been they've been a really tremendous program. They've gone to the NCAA tournament. Um, they've had success. You know, obviously last year's a outlier year of everything. But right, you you obviously did your homework on looking at it. You know, before you go in, like any coach would do, right? But so how are you now going about the process of deciding how to blend? what they did X's and O's and had success um, with the kind of things that, you know, you're comfortable with as a coach and, and you like as a coach and the kind of things you want to do. Yeah, it is, it is tough. Cause every, every assistant coach 
starts to develop in their head, you know, what, what their style would be and, you know, offenses and defenses that they like. And, you know, once I'm a head coach, this is what we're going to do. And, uh, but like you said, it, it's not really about you. It's about what, you know, what's going to be best, especially when you're coming into a situation with a team that has been successful as this team has been. Um, you, you'd be really foolish to come in and scrap everything they've done just because it's the way, you know, you want to do things. Um, even if you do have what you like and you want to get to it, you probably don't want to go cold turkey. You probably want to ease into it over the course of, you know, a season or two. Um, so for for me, uh, I, in general, my philosophy is you should have a system that you should have your system that you recruit to, so to speak, and, you know, what you do year in and year out. You don't want to change things up every year. But I think your system itself should be flexible enough that different players can fit into it. Um, and so from that standpoint, a lot of the things that I like to do, they kind of already had aspects of that, that they, they have been comfortable doing and that they've done over years, over the years. Um, so it's more about tweaking things where, okay, this is what I wanted to do, but their personnel is a little different. So maybe we should, maybe we should have, you know, the five trail or the five do this part of it, um, to kind of blend, you know, oh, Hey, they, they were really, really good with ball screen situations, especially, you know, when their when they're, uh, five was able to pop and then kind of make a read on how the defense helped and rotate it over. Um, so how can we take what I like to do and how can we add that wrinkle in or, or give ourselves some situations in which they can use those skills that they've probably worked on for years as opposed to letting those things go to waste? All right, so next question is at the D3 level right now, how do you go about starting to put those ideas in, right? Because there's there's not that contact time, right? You're, there's not as much contact time as as other places. So how do how do you go how do you go about? Hey, you guys did this well, but can we tweak it to this? You know, is it video? Is it you know what kind of things do you do in that way? So here's the thing with division three is you, you really can't have those conversations even until you start practice on October 15th. No, you're um, right. you're right. <laughs> so, so it is really hard. One thing that I tried to do uh, in my conversations with them initially was uh, see what materials or things they've been given over the summer, as far as like workout package and things like that. And from finding those things out, I was able to create something myself and be able to tell them, hey, this is what our work workout packet is gonna look like now. So these are some of the things that are probably gonna be prevalent in our offense. Or these are some of the ways you should probably be working um, working yourself out you know, over the summer. Right, these concepts and these skills. Right. Are these are some yeah. concepts, right, right. Uh, and so that, that was one thing I did for sure. Cause that, you know, that's the way that you, you legally can kind of sort of introduce, no, <laughs> introduce those things. I got you. Um, outside of that, it, just a lot of talking. And that's why, like I said, I've been so fortunate that uh, there's an assistant who has been here for a while uh, because I was able to talk to her and uh, pick her brain about things that they are probably going to need more work on in this system, things that they probably don't need to work on because they're used to doing that. Um, and so I was able to talk to her a bit so that come October 15th, we'll be ready <laughs> and, and we can have those conversations a lot more. Um, when that day comes, you know, we'll be able to, we'll probably watch film a lot more than we will in subsequent years because we'll be watching film to 
show exactly what it is. Whereas, you know, in a couple of years from now, they'll be able to just draw on their own memories. So now let's kind of build on that and let's kind of build into that practice time. Um, yeah, I coach on the D3 levels and assistance. So, you know, I, I do know that, you know, once that October 15th date hits and you're like, okay, well, here we go. We haven't seen each other in a while, but now let's get to work. So kind of take us through a, a typical practice for you. Obviously, you know, your first, second practice is a little different or, you know, towards NCAA tournament times a little different, but, you know, take us through kind of your format. Um, you know, maybe, maybe how your practices might be a little different on October 17th than they would be on February 5th. Um, yeah. Just kind of take us through your practice. I think that you should have, we'll say two to three things that are just staples in your program that are present in your practices on day one and they're present in your practice on day 101. Uh, so for us, like I'm really big on skill development and getting reps and getting shots up, um, regardless of the level, whether it's D3, D2, NIA, D1. Uh, I, I think that that is often, you know, really overlooked. Uh, so for us, like we'll start just about every practice with 20 to 30 minutes of position development, skill work. It's you and your position coach, you know, and other players that are of the same position, but it's getting reps up, it's getting shots up 20 to 30 minutes. And ideally we're doing that, like I said, from the first day of practice all the way through the year, even once we get into the meat of our conference schedule and we're playing multiple times a week, every practice we need to do that. Um, so that's one thing for sure. In terms of how practices kind of change as the year goes on, obviously you start the year off, you're putting all your stuff in and uh, you have your, probably a lot more breakdown drills and things like that because you're you're learning the offense, you're learning the defense and those sorts of things. So I wouldn't say that we'll be any different when it comes to that. Um, I'm really big on trying to be as efficient as possible in practices. Uh, so I like drills. I like disadvantage drills a lot uh, because offensively, the game, to me, the game starts once you have an advantage, whether you're on offense or defense. Once someone has an advantage, that's when that's when the actual game starts. That's when uh, you have to try to figure things out, and that's when you're either going to score or get the stop. So I like disadvantage drills where it's, it may be five on four. Offensively, you have, you have an advantage for a bit, but you have to be able to capitalize on it and make two to three good passes, hitting people in shooting pockets and so forth that you can capitalize on the brief advantage that you have in a game. Like I said, it, it doesn't really start until somebody beats somebody off of a dribble or a bad closeout. And then from that point, you have a short window where it's five on four and you need to make something happen. Conversely, you know, defensively, same thing. It, it's going to be very rare that you have a many possessions where it's your five stay in front of their five for the entire possession. So it's, it's really more about what are you doing whenever one of your teammates does get beat or whenever you get beat. How are we reacting and uh, how are we, you know, rotating and scrambling out? So disadvantage drills are, are really big for me, especially early in the year. Um, as we get further along and we're playing a lot more frequently, I am really big on situational basketball. And so we'll, we'll uh, incorporate late shot clocks and uh, after timeouts and, uh, end of quarters, two for one, stuff like that. We'll incorporate that a lot more into practices. 
Um, and like I said, I, I like to be as efficient as possible. So uh, let's say we're working on a, we're working on like our transition defense. We'll probably start it with 12 seconds on the shot clock for the offense. So they can work on that late shot clock situation too. But then right after that, that's when we actually get into the transition trip as opposed to let's start U5 on the baseline. Let's start U5 at the free throw line, one person touch. You know what I mean? Um, so trying to, trying to kill as many birds with as few stones as possible uh, while also you know, not biting off more than we can chew. I'm trying to see how many, how many different uh, metaphors and that's not the word I want. What's <laughs> not a metaphor, uh, uh, cliches. I'm trying to see how many different cliches I can fit We're in. We're getting cliches thing. in the episode, guys. There you go. <laughs> All right, so I have a little bit of follow-up that just sparked me. It's kind of off the practice topic, but um, you talked about late game or late clock stuff. Uh, and, and obviously, I think in Illinois, shot clock's coming in high school basketball as well. Uh, John and I are both big proponents of the shot clock. Like, we would love it right now because me, I'm more of a defensive-minded coach, and I could do all kinds of crazy stuff to you at, with shot clock, right, at the high school level. But, and I, I just uh, want to play fast, so that's fine. I don't need a yeah, shot clock. Right. <laughs> so I'm kind of dovetailing off, but I, I think it's an interesting concept here. What, what are some of the things you like to do you know, in that red situation, right? Uh, maybe use red, maybe use a different term, but a lot of times you hear red, uh, end of the shot clock, maybe end of quarters, things like that. Okay, so here's a, here's the deal, because like I'm new to the conference. So if anyone listens, I'm kind of already giving away. <laughs> so, oh, so okay, I got you, I <laughs> no, got no. you, I got you. No, uh, it's fine. I, I, there are, people will see it on film anyway. Uh, but no, we, we have a, a really, really good, uh, five player here right now um and she's she's a phenomenal passer uh so i i yeah, have some really I, yeah are you, you know her or know of her yeah. yeah 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 um so i actually it works perfectly because i had a couple ideas where you kind of bring the five into uh like the nail or top of the key and you have a lot of cutters off of her or like uh it's not technically a split cut because she's not in the post but split cuts that you'd see uh from like the warriors a lot and yep. like I said, she she can really pass it, but she can also shoot it. So when she steps out that way, they're going to have to bring their five out to actually guard her. And when that happens, the paint's open a lot and she can thread the needle. So getting the ball to, to the five a lot in the middle of the floor um, and putting her in situations where she can she can just make reads and make plays. Uh, obviously, you know, everyone kind of does some ball screen stuff and handoffs. Um, the other thing I like in those situations is a lot of pistol action. Uh, just because you, it gives you a lot of, there's a lot of reads that your girls can make that it's not as predictable for defense because you can keep the hand off, you know, you could, you can fake flare it, it yeah. flare it, all that sort of stuff. So a lot of pistol actions too. Did I give away enough? It, it Just wait. Cause when the episode's over, I'm going to tell you all about some of your players. Cause I coached against multiple of them. So we'll have, Oh a yeah. Oh, let's go, please. So uh, let's get into league play. Um, I, I coached at Dominican, so I, I coached in the conference. I, I know what that conference is like. It's a war every night, um, you know, and at times, you know, you may play more than you may play the same conference opponent more than once in a home and home. So kind of let's kind of go into um, the adjustments you make in scouting from one game to the next. Um, you know, and, and do you do you ever think about maybe keeping something in your back pocket for game two? 
or maybe building on something you did in game one to game two, or do you just do the same thing no matter what? Kind of take us through that that playing somebody twice, the scouting and the prepping. So I am, how do I, I, I'm very much in favor of what you said, kind of keeping stuff in your pocket. But because I know that about myself, I'm also like constantly thinking to myself, don't overthink this. Like, don't, don't, don't have a play that, that you're sitting on for 12 games <laughs> and you try to pull it out, you know, in game 13, you know Absolutely. what I mean? Yep. Uh, so it, trying to find that balance, but th there's definitely some of that. Um, I would say like from, you know, one game to the next, especially when it comes to us defensively, um, I'm not, we probably won't spend as much time focused on the other team's offense. Um, just because of what we want to do defensively, I think it shouldn't matter too much what they're trying to do offensively if we do our stuff the way we should. Um, there's obviously the the personnel piece where, you know, if we didn't think this kid was a shooter and then she lit us up and hit four threes, then yeah, we'll, we'll probably adjust a bit come game two. Uh, but when it comes to, you know, what we're doing X's and O's wise on the defensive end, ideally we don't have to adjust too much from game to game. Uh, I, I really enjoy watching film and breaking things down and, you know, having those X's and O's and things like that offensively. Uh, so I'm definitely one to pay attention to how they guarded a couple actions the first time around, and we will tweak those and we might tweak it just for this specific game, um, where, you know, we're going to flare this instead of curling it or those sorts of things. Um, so that'll definitely happen from game to game. And there will be, you know, like you said, those those times when we have some things that we're really excited about and we think it's going to work. But it's like if we can try not to use it now, let's try not to use it because we like it so much that maybe we can save it for when we really need it. All right, so let's dig into the scouting aspect a little more. You just kind of touched on it, but what are your core, I guess, values for lack of a better term in your scouting? Like I, at the high school level, I kind of always look at a way, look at it if I'm going to take away a player's strength, right? Because there's maybe one or two on a normal team, there's one or two players that are really good at something. Okay, can I take that away and disrupt? Um, or is it more X's and O's for you? Um, kind of a combination of both. I, 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 I'm more of a scouting guy. You can talk to John and know like we're, we're kind of both in that same boat, but I like to figure out people's stuff and take it away. So what is your, your core values in the, in the scouting process? We're nerds. It's okay. You can say we're film nerds. It's okay. <laughs> we are. We are. That's the best kind of nerd to be though. Um, I, <laughs> I would say, like I said, defensively, um, we, we don't want to have to change too much. So uh, we, hmm, <laughs> defensively, defensively, we want to, as best we can, stick to what we do, unless we really see, like, hey, it may, maybe it's not, it's not typical of us to, to uh, blitz or trap ball screens, but it's just really obvious that they have a, a player who doesn't handle it really well, you know, then sure, we'll go ahead and make that adjustment. But defensively, Honestly, we, we, we really want to try to stick to what we're doing, uh, where we're setting the tempo and we're, we know what's going to be open because that's the, what we're giving you. Um, offensively, though, I, I would say our focus is definitely on 
seeing where they're weak in terms of maybe who their weaker defenders are or or who they um who they like to help off of where they like to double from those sorts of things and then making those small adjustments like i said from from game to game um so we in our offense there are a number of situations where you can read hey, I, I really think this girl can't take me in the post. I know I'm not our center, but I, I think I have an advantage here. And that's something that we can talk about throughout the scouting process that, hey, they typically are going to start a smaller lineup. Uh, you know, she's she's not a great post defender. She gets really handsy, whatever. You need to, you need to pay attention to those opportunities because when, when you're on this side here, you should be looking to see if you can duck down or duck in or dive down to the post. Um, and so we'll do some of those things, especially offensively. I think that's where we'll ideally, that's where we'll make the most adjustments, you know, based on scout. All right. So my follow-up that is technology, right? We have so many things. We have synergy, we have all these things. So in your mind, you know, how has technology maybe helped the scouting process and maybe hurt a little bit? Cause I don't, you know, I don't think people, there's not much secrets anymore. Yeah, that's that's the thing is there's there's no secret. So, um, I mean, it's helped tremendously. I think it's helped the most because of how efficient you can be and, you know, how how. How many things you can cover in a short amount of time from watching film or just getting film, you know, it used to be where you had to like get go have someone from your staff to go meet someone to grab a DVD. And so from a time standpoint, and you they give that. you a game that's not so great. And, yeah. you know, you, yeah. And then you show up at the game and you're like, I didn't see this. Yeah. Yep. Or, or you, you had to send someone, you know, to go watch a game and they're trying to like scribble stuff down and write. And so you don't have to do that. You can be a lot more efficient with your time where you can spend more time actually watching the film and not spend, you know, half the time getting the film or breaking it down. Um, but like you said, the, on the flip side, there's no secrets. Uh, so it's, it's hurt you know, to, depending on how you look at it, it's hurt some things because if a, if a coach or a team is really, really in tune to scouting reports and they really watch film, they, you're probably not going to surprise them unless you're also good enough at putting stuff in, you know, day in and day out or adding new things every couple of days. Uh, you, you can't like, we've, we've played teams where, I felt like the other team was calling out the play before we even called it. Like, <laughs> uh, so it really takes film. Film can really take that aspect out of it where you can't surprise a team unless you are really devoting a lot of your practice time to trying to surprise that team. <laughs> so we like to finish with these two segments. The first one is a 30 second timeout. Uh, we half the time we have guests tell us that they're like, we don't know what we were going to talk about during this segment, but this is where we open the floor to you. You can talk about whatever you want. You can talk about your program. You can talk about your journey. You can talk about something you're passionate about. It doesn't have to be basketball related. It, it, it can be anything, um, an outside organization you're involved with, a story, a unique topic, anything you want. Uh, the floor is yours. Yeah. So there's a there's an organization or a movement, if you will, called scouting and scavenging. Um, and basically, there's a there's a guy who who worked for the Bucks, and uh, he came up with this idea to get coaches and professionals to gather like their unused toiletries when they go on the road, whether it's 
recruiting or like through team travel and things like that and gather their, their toiletries for a season um, and donate those to local like shelters or things like that. Uh, and so it's called scouting and scavenging. Um, I was pretty excited about it last year and a lot of, you know, teams travel situations didn't really happen because of COVID and everything. And you didn't spend as many nights in hotels and this and that. So I wasn't able to be a part of it last year, but definitely something that I want to do this year. So it's called uh, scouting and scavenging. And like I said, the basic idea is you, you know, you have your team or other members of your athletics, athletics department, gather all those things, their, their uh, soap and shampoo and uh, toilet paper and gather those things throughout the year. And then at the end of the year, find a local shelter to donate them to. Uh, so it's really, it's really easy to, for people to join because you don't have to, you don't have to send them to any specific place. Just find one local or, or near you and, you know, send stuff to them. But uh, one thing I found out through this is that like people that are on food stamps can't use those to buy toiletries. So it actually really helps a ton and it goes a long way because uh, that those are things that they would, you know, have to pay cash for. Um, if you are interested, you can look on Twitter, just it's at scout scavenge or on Instagram, it'd be at scouting and scavenging. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, I'm really excited for us to do it and I'm going to see how many other teams I can get in our department to do it too. All right. So listeners scout savage on Twitter, please look it up. Scout savage. Scavenge. Yeah. Scavenge. Scavenge. Sorry. There you go. <laughs> we will, uh, yeah, no, coach, uh, we'll definitely tweet that out. And uh, yeah. that's a tremendous idea. I mean, it's something so simple um, that people don't, don't realize. Uh, mm -hmm. So we will definitely, you know, and, and maybe uh, just popped in my head, maybe I get my high school team involved in it. And, yep. you know, we'll go somewhere local with us. Yeah. So the last segment we have is, Quick hitters, uh, just kind of random questions. Uh, we're going to throw them at you. Uh, could be basketball related, could not be. First one I have for you, and I, I think I know this question based on some your answers, but yeah. it might surprise me. Defensive-minded or offensive-minded coach? I'm actually really curious what you think because on any given week, my opinion of myself when it comes to this question <laughs> changes. <laughs> I would think – I was going to think defensive. I, right I was based on your Based on your conversation. But. Just, just because I said, like, we don't want to change up what we do defensively or what? I don't know. I just – well, maybe, maybe I should have thought the other way because you didn't give too much away offensively either. So, I don't know. Oh, because I was being secretive. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. It, I honestly go back and forth week to week. I, I definitely, before I really got into coaching, definitely offensive minded. Um, but then I guess I've come across, you know, some teams that defensively was like, we felt like we have to throw out our entire offensive playbook because of what they're doing. Um, and so that's really kind of resonated with me. Uh, I know I, I'm probably not allowed to say like 50, 50. So I'll tell you what I'm feeling today. <laughs> <laughs> and so today, I think I'm a little more defensive minded today. So I'll give you that one. That's it. Yeah. Well, Palicki will tell you I'm I'm more defensive minded, but then when I go to high school stuff, I get up end up more offensive minded, right? Palicchio? You do. You he, yeah. Todd will so. sell himself short on the offense. He is a good offensive mind. Don't tell him I said that. He'll get a big head. <laughs> so, uh, so we got a fun one. Would you rather 
phone call or text with someone? With, are we talking like with a recruit or just could, with anyone? Could be anyone. Just, just in general. Like talk what? on the phone or text. FaceTime. So, oh. so that's probably, that would be considered talking. Okay, but no, FaceTime. That was one I did not think of. All right. Yeah. All right, we're going uh, personnel here. Uh, tall team, bigs, or, or a fast team? You got to pick one. Now, this is the one you probably would have been able to guess from my answers for sure, but I, I would go with the athleticism. Uh, I think I think the height is only good if it's height combined with something else. Like if you're if you're tall and a good shooter, that's when you know it's really cool. Or if you're tall and uh, you're pretty athletic, then it really works. But if you're just tall and don't really have anything else, doesn't really matter. It's true. All right, we got uh, we got winter or summer weather. Born and raised in Houston, Texas, summer all the time. <laughs> that, that was, was going to say. Once he said good. Houston, that was the answer. Yeah. Yep, summer. All, all right. Time. So if you had to choose, you're going to sing in front of people or dance in front of people. I'm terrible at both. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, so are so are both of us. So mm -hmm. we're fine. I'm terrible at both, but I think I'm I'm more likely to do karaoke than I would be to like just you know get up and dance. So I'm gonna go with sing. All right, if you're going with karaoke, then what are you going with? Ooh, uh, for I a like long that. time, for a long time, it was like Hootie and the Blowfish. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, you can <laughs> do right. that. I like that. I like that. All right. So off of you know this could be sports related. It could be not, but a sneaky talent or skill that you have that people would not necessarily know. So this, it, it's probably neither a talent nor a skill. You can decide, um, but it actually kind of goes into what we just talked about. I know way more music than people ever think um, from like many eras, many genres. Uh, if, like if we are riding in a car and you play it and you play it, there's a, I'm going to say there's probably an 80, 85% chance that I know most of the words to the song. Well, well, Todd will tell you, I am a huge music person. So I'm in for that. I love all kinds of music and I play it as loud as humanly possible. So I can, I can usually sing all the words. I just can't name <laughs> the, the band all the time, but I can sing all the words. Okay. Yo. And that's the other thing too, is like, I can do that. And I can pretty often, I can like tell you what year, like the song or the yeah. album came out yeah. too. I, I have no clue why. Um, I used to, I used to like, my dad would take me to school sometimes and he would do that and he'd be able to, he'd be like, Oh, I think I was in sixth grade. You know, that was probably about 1972 and, you know, look it up on your phone or something. And you're like 73, you're pretty close. Yeah. For whatever reason, I inherited a little bit of that. And I can do that like, better than a lot of people, too. All right. So I added one as we were thinking here. Best game you've ever been involved in, whether playing, coaching, whatever it is. Maybe you even saw it. Best game you've ever been involved in. Oh, okay. Um, whew, what year was this? This was, this was only about, I'm going to say about four years ago. Uh, it was Wash U's women's basketball team. They were playing in the, I think it was the, I think it might've been the conference championship game. It was either that, or it was like first round of the NCAA tournament or something like that. But they were, they were down 
about 15 points with about two minutes left. And I was there in person and I watched them come back and send the game into overtime and win the game. And they were down about 15 points with two minutes left. And I was freaking out. <laughs> That's good. Coach, we, we can't thank you enough. Um, I have to get a gratuitous plug here. My wife went to Benedictine. She's, she's a Hall of Famer. So she we can get we can get into free games. Uh, Julie Robinson, now Zazito. So so okay, okay. hold on, hold on. I'm gonna write this. I gotta write this down. Julie write this Robinson. Down. Robinson, yep. She is in um, the Hall of Fame. She is in the Hall of Fame. So uh, that's why you know I'm so in tune to Benedictine. I, I coached baseball there for a little bit, played there. Um, but we, we can't thank you enough. Uh, it was so awesome. This is an awesome uh, conversation. Um, we appreciate it so much. Uh, you know. So definitely a local team for our followers to follow because uh, you guys are you guys are a good squad and uh, they are. Thank you so much for for joining us. Oh man, thank you. Like I said, I'm honored. I uh, when you reached out, I told you like I went in and immediately started listening to. I think in the first two or three days, I, I listened to about twelve of them. So, <laughs> well, so I, I and like it's awesome. Like you guys are you're like in my my Spotify thing now where I just hit the search button and like you're there. So. To be on it is great. So I appreciate it. Well, man. We appreciate it, coach. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the After the Timeout podcast, hosted by Todd Zazadil and John Palicki. For more show content and upcoming episodes, follow us on Twitter at After the Timeout or subscribe to our podcast for upcoming episodes. For show inquiries, you can email us at afterthetimeout at gmail.com. You can find all of our previous episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast by searching After the Timeout. We appreciate you listening. Tune in next time for more basketball content on the court, off the court, and anything in between.